Welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, June 4th, 2023. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. And Peter, uh, tomorrow evening is the historic 77th Annual Theatre World Awards ceremony going to be held at Circle in the Square. Have you cleared the stage yet? Oh, I'm I'm told, <laughs> of course, there's nothing in there after K-pop closed <laughs> so long ago. Uh, I haven't seen the space. I'm not going to see it till 4.15 tomorrow when I uh, have my call. But I think it's going to be a good show. Laura Linney's going to be there. Um, Ariane Moyet's going to be there. Priscilla Lopez is going to be there. Um, so I think a good time will be had by all. Um, we also are going to have Julie Benko and um, Stokes uh, performing, as well as... Uh, Benjamin Pajak, who certainly scored a big success earlier with Oliver. So um, a good, a splendid time is guaranteed for all, as uh, the Beatles once sang. I, I was hope I was hoping that they uh, the K-pop folks would have left the sets in costume for you because I would have liked it would have been great. Yeah, pull out some of those Felicia <laughs> dance agree. moves. You know, that's right. I'm so good at that. Yeah. So um. <laughs> <laughs> also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Michael, uh, coming up on July 24th, you have Jerry Orbach's Broadway uh, that you're working on. And uh, I didn't realize when you had said last week that there was a special discount day on Monday, Memorial Day last week, that it was for everything at 54 Below. Oh, yes. It seemed seemed like everything was on sale, but alas, you have missed it if you do not listen to This Week on Broadway fast enough. It wasn't everything. It was select shows, but it was a lot of shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think. uh, I mean, you had an opportunity to opt out. I don't know if anyone did. Uh, So, yeah. I actually have to check in and see if we sold. I know we sold some that day because some friends of mine... (laughs) Bought some tickets that day. Great. So we're looking forward to Jerry O'Buck's Broadway coming up on July 24th. If you need more information for that, uh, come on over to the show notes at Broadway Radio. We have a link to 54 below, and so you can get to it rather quickly. Speaking to getting to something rather quickly, rather quickly, we have <laughs> our next show already open for the Broadway season that is coming up. Or in progress, but uh, we'll be talking about it for the next year. Grey House opened, and uh, Michael and Peter both got over to see it. So, Peter, why don't you get us started on Grey House? Um, I I think this one is really quite the misfire. Uh, It's one of those plays that uh, wants to scare you, wants to intrigue you. And it reminded me of a song that was uh, sung in the 30. I say it's spinach and to hell with it. Um, I... I am mystified why Laurie Metcalf would want to do this play. Um, it's uh, it's not even a dynamic role, really. Um, mm. Sometimes uh, she's she disappears for minutes on end, uh, which really surprises me. Especially since she was supposed to do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I mean, even started doing it. Um, I would think she'd want to come back in that rather than uh, in this. Um, it. 
the worst thing um, is that there's a refrigerator on stage and they open it and there's certain things in it. The next time they open it, there are different things in it. Uh, if this is explained, I missed it entirely. And um, it, uh, I, I cannot remotely recommend the show on any level. Well, all right, the set's very nice, but um, <clears throat> I will say everybody in is fine. Um, I did see Tatiana Meslani, uh, who a lot of people didn't. Uh, she'd been out for a while and she was very good. Pulse Box was good. Sophia, uh, Sophia Ann Caruso <clears throat> of uh, Beetlejuice Notoriety um, I thought was really quite fine as well. So they're all doing the the jobs, um, but why um, this play is on Broadway uh, mystified me, and I, why Joe Mantello wanted to do it mystifies me even more. I have nothing more to say than that, because all I would do is say nasty things, so let's leave it at that. All right, Michael, what do you think? Somebody online wrote that it was the worst Broadway show they had seen in 42 years of theater going, and um, I somewhere uh similar feelings <laughs> uh yeah the mystery i mean some some people describe this as a thriller uh some as a mystery but if there is a mystery it is why people like laurie metcalf and joe mantello and yeah uh, you know sophie ann caruso and paul sparks uh and tatiana maslani would want to do this but the other even greater mystery and this is amazing to me this play got some good reviews mm, by reputable reputable mm. critics yeah. mm, what me too what is going on there mm -hmm. uh, i am told that um some kind of letter of explanation of what's supposed to be happening in this strange play uh was sent to some critics uh you know or an email i suppose an email form uh, yeah. i did not get that did you Peter? no no um and so uh, someone told me that and i said well i wonder why i didn't get it and and the person said well maybe they realized belatedly that that was that that looked really bad that they had to explain it uh whatever i didn't get that so i didn't know what was going on i too was completely confused by what was happening with the refrigerator mm -hmm. uh peter mm -hmm. uh because that's not something that could be explained away by supernatural <laughs> you know forces yeah. um there were so many things in it that 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 were confused i mean i guess we should give a basic basic cl uh, clue as to the plot it, it's about a couple uh, uh uh male and female couple who um have a car crash uh in a remote section of the, the the woods somewhere and they uh they find a cabin uh that's a very creepy place but it's the only place where they can go and to, to seek help and and as they walk in um the the male of the couple says something like i've seen this movie we don't make it <laughs> uh you know so they're trying so there's an attempt at the beginning to uh to make fun of the fact that th mm -hmm. that this playwright Levi Holloway is using all these tropes from all these uh, mostly movies, I would say, and I guess maybe some plays as well, uh, thrillers that we've seen in the past. But I, I just was completely, completely confused. And um, the audience <laughs> didn't seem to be with it. And then they stood up at the end. So I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm flummoxed. I I I don't Me know too. what flummoxed what else to say about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry I can't offer more um, than utter confusion. Hmm. 
Okay, so uh, Greenhouse <laughs> uh, seemingly has an open-ended run here, mm-hmm. um, but I wonder how far this is going to go. It's playing at seventy-five percent capacity right now. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll have to see how this fares after the reviews have uh, have set in and the and the uh, summer crowds start to come in to see sh- shows. It's uh, not a small cast, uh, and there are lots of um, – well, I'm not sure how many of them are actually underage, uh, but there are lots of young people in it, so that might uh, be a financial burden to them as well. There's 10, there's ten people in the cast, uh, according to IBDB. Uh, yeah, but so, I mean just yeah. for, for a play that you know that, yeah. that's, that's not as small amount yeah, of the yeah. fact that there's these young people in it. Uh, seem which you know that that's tends to add to expenses. Hmm. Okay, so uh, we'll see how Greyhouse does at the Lyceum. We have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Michael, you got over to uh, Bryant Park where uh, New York City Opera presented La Boheme as part of their park series. So tell us about it. Well, I'm so glad I went. Uh, this was uh, not a concert performance. It was fully staged, um, but uh, of an abridged version of La Boheme. Uh, there was no chorus in it. And uh, some of the very minor roles were eliminated. But um, but actually, I think we, we probably got about... Mm, maybe 70% of the, of the opera anyway. Uh, and it was not a full orchestra. It was only 12 pieces whereas normally you would get anywhere from 50 to 80 <laughs> uh depending on what opera house where you were seeing the the uh opera performed in but it really um was wonderful despite all the uh the challenges of performing outdoors uh you know it's, it's harder for the singers to um to to hear each other even if the amplification is good and and to follow the conduct it's harder to follow the conductor in an open space like that i think and um the the sound is not uh equivalent to being in a wonderful opera house with great acoustics and uh and uh the lighting is is not ideal uh etc etc so there were so many um things to detract from a perfect performance. Uh, And there were moments when this uh, seemed to be kind of sloppy, but um, there were also really several moments where the opera kicked in and, you know, because of the, partly because of the wonderful cast and, and the, uh, the excellent conductor, Joseph Rochino. And um, there was one, one of those moments that you, actually that you live for uh mm. because if you know la bohème um <laughs> the, the the leading female character dies of uh, tuberculosis in the last scene and it's always a tearjerker but in this case it was even more so because she died just as the sun was setting oh, over nice. yeah. bryant park and in fact um Wow! Right before uh, the opera started, it was only about uh, um, an hour and fifteen minutes long. Maybe uh, the uh, Michael Capasso, who now is general director of the reconstituted New York City Opera, pointed out 
the sun setting because it was only about two days after Manhattan Hinge. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it was a particularly, I was going to be a particularly beautiful sunset. Uh, and so, Michael, really, can I interrupt you for a second? Yes. Uh, you need to explain to non Manhattan people what Manhattan Hinge is. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Manhattan Hinge is this incredible phenomenon where um the sun uh position of the sun in the sky as it sets is such that it comes down uh between the the buildings as you're looking down uh the, the streets that go from east to west so the sun seems to be setting like exactly in the middle of of the op- you know the the opening am i explaining it right um yeah, uh doing fine. <laughs> yeah uh, and you can only see it uh, ideally from um i think from midtown yeah. uh you can't uh, you can't see it from like way uptown or, or way downtown uh and then it then like and it, it tends i think it tends to happen two days in a row each time oh. uh, and then it sort of moves moves on i'm not sure exactly why that is uh, but yeah so that was manhattan henge and uh as i said this was not on one of the official days but it was right afterwards and so there was still the residual effect of that glow that golden glow in the sky as the sun was setting. And um, so that did happen almost exactly as Mimi was dying. Mm-hmm. And not only that, she, she has lines. There are lines in the opera. Um, he, he says, um, he calls her my beautiful Mimi Rodolfo, her lover calls her my beautiful Mimi as she's lying there dying. And she says, am I still beautiful? And he says, uh, as beautiful as the sunrise and she says you should have said as beautiful as the sunset yeah so that was an incredible moment Uh, as i say the the singers were all excellent ina dukash as mimi gregory ture as rodolfo gustavo foylen as marcello elisabetta ulakovic as musetta carl dupont as colleen Colline and Alexander Boyd as Shonar. Um, so I'm really, really glad I went. They're doing um, other, uh, this city opera is doing Barber of Seville and Romeo and Juliet um, later uh, in this series of outdoor performances. They're called Bryant Park Picnic Performances, and they continued through September 14th. Um, Barber of Seville is on August 18th. And uh, Romeo and Juliet is on September 8th. But there's also wonderful uh, other, so many other wonderful things. Really check the, check them out on online. The Classical Theater of Harlem is doing something called Langston in Harlem. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Walter Marx had something to do with that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Al- Alvin Ailey is going to be there. Um, and, uh, contemporary dance and jazz so it's it's really a wonderful you know wonderful thing that they're doing these concerts in that beautiful park i mentioned walter marks and um for people who don't know who i'm talking about he wrote the broadway musicals bajour and golden rainbow and this week i saw golden rainbow in a reading uh stuart ross has been massaging the book and uh, max von essen played the steve lawrence role teal wicks played the um edie gourmet role and Benjamin Pajak, who I mentioned earlier uh, from Oliver, was sensational. 
sensational as the kid. By the way, they were all sensational. Bob Cuccioli was there playing the um, the bad guy. And uh, really, it was quite a presentation. So uh, we may see Golden Rainbow again if we live long enough. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's move on to our discussion of the Tony Awards. Uh, before we get on to our predictions for what's going to happen next Sunday, um, I wanted to bring up again the WGA, uh, the Writers Guild of America, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. their ongoing uh, their ongoing strike against uh, Hollywood, and how that has bled into the Broadway community because uh, the WGA has asked their members to not uh, attend the Tony Awards, and if perhaps they were to win something, then they should be, uh, you know, provide a pre-recorded thank you acceptance speech and none of that is new news uh we've known that for a couple of weeks now but what is new is that uh the Cannes Film Festival in the south of France uh is ongoing and the WGA did not ask their members not to attend the Cannes Film Festival which i i think is sort of a little bit hypocritical and sounds uh, <laughs> and so you know, uh, WGA is not something that covers uh, Broadway writers, uh, but certainly you do have crossover between Broadway writers and um, and Hollywood. But they let writers like Jeremy O'Harris go to con and all the you know have parties and. Uh, you know, schmooze with Netflix and Disney and all these people that they're striking against right now. It, it just seems so odd. And I mean, what do you think, Peter and Michael? What do you think about this? Uh, I mean, this has been something that nearly canceled the Tony Awards. Yeah, it sounds terribly hypocritical. And and as we discussed before, it's. I think maybe the explanation is that they just don't care about the Tonys. And the Tonys is being collateral damage or a scapegoat uh, for them to make a point, but, but because they don't want to miss all those parties at Cannes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds exactly the same to me. Yeah, so bizarre. you know, it, if only you know, if Radio City Musical Hall wasn't available, maybe we could hold the Tony Awards in the South of France, and then it would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> they almost are going to be in the South of France because uh, yeah. we're going near the theater district. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> It's so far north in Manhattan that it could be the north of France. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> so the Tony Awards are going to be happening uh, next Sunday. And um, we thought now would be a good time for us to talk about, uh, you know, what's going to be happening with uh, uh, this at that evening. And uh, so we're going to have the what they're calling – uh, act the Tony Awards Act One, the pre-show of live exclusive content uh, that leads into the 76th annual Tony Awards. It's going to be on CBS and Pluto TV, uh, and so uh, you know if you are somebody who does not subscribe to Pluto TV, I think that they have a one-week free trial. I'm, I'm not sure they did last year, um, <clears throat> so you might be able to. Sign up uh, a couple of days before. Don't sign up just yet because you'll run out yeah, of your free right. trial. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a couple of days. Sign up in the middle of the week um, and watch uh, the first hour. 
uh, and then the rest of it is uh, going to be on uh, regular CBS from 8, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, um, and then streaming also uh, on Paramount+. Plus. So in the nomination for Best Book of a Musical, we have And Juliet, Kimberly Akimbo, New York, New York, Shucked, and Some Like It Hot. So, uh, Peter, what do you think about this category? Well, I would be very happy if indeed, um, in this order, if um, it were <laughs> uh, Shucked, Kimberly Akimbo, and, um, and Juliet. Um, I have visited all of these shows more than once. And in fact, I just went back to Shucked yesterday and um, I, I marvel at the writing of the books. Hmm. Longtime listeners will say, wait a minute. When you <laughs> talked about Anne Juliet way back when, you didn't like it at all. Yeah, I made a mistake uh, and I'll fully admit to that. Uh, I My eyes were really open the second time I saw it. Sometimes you do need, at least I do, a second look at shows before you say, oh, oh now I get it. Uh, I'm not happy that I have to say that, but uh, nevertheless, that's the reality, and I'll admit to it. Guilty as charged. So, But um, Shuck, to me, is so clever and so wondrous in the way that it makes you care about these people in what seems to be just a happy-go-lucky, carefree show. Uh, Robert Horn has done a marvelous, marvelous job, um, and God knows he has so many uh, one-liners in it that are just top-notch uh, humor. Um, the friend that I took yesterday said, wow, you know, you're going to be seeing this for the next 30 years. I said, if you think I'm going to live that long, that's going to be really something. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so he said, no, it's going to be done in every high school in the country. Well, if it is, it's going to be cut down tremendously because there are a lot of ribble jokes in it. Um, very good ones, very good ones. But, um, I, I can, the irony is that, um, the schools in the South will probably be the ones where the principals say, no, you can't do it. And of course it's set in the South, <laughs> but, uh, but nevertheless, um, if it's shorn of all that humor, it would still be wonderful. So, uh, so that's my first choice. And what's really great is that these are all original musicals. Um, we've always been told that, uh, the best musicals are adaptations, so it's easier to do an adaptation, of course it is. But here we are with um, shows starting from scratch. Uh, I never saw Hee Haw. I do understand that some people say that there's a lot of Hee Haw still in Shucked, which started out as a Hee Haw musical. Um, no, or was it? Was it? No, it was Duck something? What was it? Does anybody remember? Wasn't no. it? No. No, but I do think it's interesting that one of the songs in it is Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, they come right down to brass tacks there. Mm -hmm. um, but um, anyway, Kimberly Akimbo takes a lot of. Um, oh no, that is an adaptation. I'm wrong. Of course, it was. Uh, it was a straight play and a damn good one. Yeah, um, I'm wrong. But um, it seems so fresh to me. That's why. Um, and Anne Juliet, of course, um, sure is based. Um, well, the case is starting point of uh, Romeo and Juliet, but. Um, but it does take off from there. So any of those would really um, do it for me. And uh, I'm, I'm rooting for Shucked. Wow. I didn't expect that. So, Michael, how no. about you? Well, I basically agree with everything Peter said. And also, I applaud you for... Um, admitting that you yeah. changed your mind. I uh -huh. think there should be more of that, <laughs> you know, uh, when it happens, obviously. Uh, I I know it's happened to me, mm -hmm. and I think it's important to to say that, you know, mm -hmm. because there's so many reasons why 
we might see something and not respond to it and then see it again and respond to it or or vice versa you know yes um <laughs> so so many variables when you go to the theater so I, I i just wanted to thank you for saying that um yeah i i uh would be happy if the award went to and juliet or shucked or kimberly akimbo uh and very unhappy if it went to either new york new york or some like it hot um it maybe is not a coincidence that the three books that Peter and I like um, were written by one person. Mm. Whereas New York, New York is credited to David Thompson and Sharon Washington and some like it hottest credited to Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin. Uh, So just food for thought there. Uh, Oh, and one final thing. Uh, I was very happy when Robert Horn won a Tony for his book for Tootsie. You bet. Because whatever else was wrong with that show, uh, um, I thought his book was fantastic. And so I'm happy that he won then, and I'm glad he's nominated this time, and I would be very happy if he won again. Now we have the best original score written for the theater. Our nominees are Almost Famous, Kimberly Akimbo, K-Pop, Shucked, Some Like It Hot. So Michael, why don't you start us off in this category? I haven't done my disclaimer yet that uh, <laughs> that I uh, I'm only saying what I think should win because I'm not I'm not predicting what will win because I'm the worst absolute worst person when it comes to that. So uh, just that disclaimer aside, um, I I would give it to Kimberly Akimbo because I think there's so much creativity there. Uh, by Janine Tesori, the composer, and David Lindsay Abair, the lyricist who very impressively um, is, you know, is primarily a playwright. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is his first time writing lyrics. Um, do you know otherwise, Peter? Not offhand. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not his first, it, it's certainly not, you know, it hasn't been his wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a wonderful adaptation of a, a beautiful play that I saw Uh years ago uh, off-Broadway by David Lindsay Abair. Uh, I think it's a model adaptation. Uh, and and somehow Janine Tesori, who I, I was not, I did not used to be such a big fan of hers, but I've really grown uh, to admire her. Um, and most of all, her versatility and right. uh, mm-hmm. yes, and being able to write in different mm-hmm. styles mm-hmm. according to what is required by the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could ha- you would hardly believe that the same person who wrote some of those songs in Thoroughly Modern Millie is the same person who wrote Caroline or Change mm-hmm. and this, uh, you know, just to name three of them. So uh, I would be very happy if Kimberly uh, won. I, I liked the score to Almost Famous. Uh, I think that was one of the better aspects of that show. Um, I really enjoyed K-pop, but I don't know if it's award-worthy work. Um, some like it hot. I, I've gone on record that I just really dislike it because I think it's so terribly derivative. That score is is just too derivative for me. I'm sorry. Um, and Shucked, I, I would also be happy if Shucked won uh, Brandy, uh, music and lyrics by Brandy Clark and Shane McCannelly. Um, because I, it's, it really is one of the most delightful shows 
um, that I've seen and the audience response both times I've seen um, shucked has been over, you know, has been through the roof. <laughs> um, uh, also true of uh, and Juliet, by the way, but that's not in this this category. Um, so uh, so that so that's my feelings on best original score. All right, Peter, how about you? You know, um, long-time listeners know that I'm a, a stickler for perfect rhymes. Mm. If indeed Chucked had perfect rhymes, I would think it would be one of the great Broadway scores. And I mean that because the ideas behind some of these songs and the perceptions within the songs are really, really terrific. And I really urge you to um, listen to the cast album, uh, which is now available. Um, the CD doesn't come out until the 9th, but um, Lord knows you can get it um, through other ways. But um, it terrific ideas in the songs. So what a shame that they um, didn't rhyme correctly. So under those circumstances, I want Kimberly Akimbo to win uh, for the same reasons that Michael said. Um, that Janine's Tesori really does stretch herself, um, and th- th- that really is her main strength. I mean, the, the songs are wonderful, but nevertheless, that is her main strength, uh, that she really is a chameleon mm-hmm. as a composer, and um, we we should really treasure her for that, and uh, I'm very excited to see what she's going to do next, because <laughs> little by little, she has really made herself a tremendous reputation for being so versatile. So anyway, I want Kimberly Akimbo to win. I was going to mention the the rhymes, the off rhymes in Shuck, but I, I will just say again for the record, I, I've made my peace with the fact that when when a score is is trying to uh, be a pastiche in a way, when it's trying to emulate other song forms uh, that don't normally have perfect rhymes, then I guess it's okay. And uh, a lot of country songs do not have perfect rhymes. Uh, The other example I always give is Spring Awakening, uh, which is filled with very strange off rhymes. Fifty nine, I counted. (laughs) You know, but those but those kind of songs uh, certainly don't don't have them. The ones that they're emulating. Um, So uh, so for whatever it's worth. That's the piece that I have come to. I don't know if you want to think more about that, Peter. <laughs> oh, I think plenty about that, believe me. And uh, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, I All right. see country music to uh, get on the ball and have perfect rhymes as well. Okay. <laughs> okay, the next category we'll talk about is best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play. Uh, the nominees are uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II for uh, Top Dog Underdog. Corey Hawkins in Top Dog Underdog, Sean Hayes in Goodnight Oscar, Stephen McKinley Henderson in Between Riverside and Crazy, and Wendell Pierce in Death of a Salesman. So, Peter, what say you? Uh, I think the the race is between Stephen McKinley Henderson and Sean Hayes. Um, Mm. Everybody else was quite fine, but I really think that's where most of the votes are going. And I suspect it's going to be Stephen McKinley Henderson uh, because it's almost like a Lifetime Achievement Award, which other organizations have given him, uh, rightfully so. Uh, So I think this is his moment in the sun, and he's going to emerge victorious. Uh, Michael, how about you? I, alas, did not see Top Dog Underdog just because I I – don't remember why actually there were just personal things going on at the time i think um so uh that said among the other three i would be really really happy if stephen mckinley henderson gets it uh he's one of our greatest actors and mm-hmm. and and so it would be wonderful as a lifetime achievement award 
award, but also I think it w- is was deserved for this yeah. performance mm-hmm. in that really great play by Stephen mm-hmm. Adley Gerges. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I think that uh, I agree with the two of you. I'm a big fan of Stephen McKinley Henderson, but there's a lot of campaigning for Sean Hayes. Yeah, which kind of turns me off. And uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, uh, no, uh, it, it's a remarkable thing. So as a result, um, uh, but this really should be Steve McKinley Henderson's year. It really should. All right, best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play. We have Jessica Chastain in A Doll's House, Jodie Comer in uh, Prima Facie, uh, Jessica Hecht in Summer 1976, and Audra McDonald, Ohio State Murders. So, Michael, what about you? Jodie Comer, hands down. Okay, Peter? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm going again this afternoon, ironically enough, and uh, when I talked to the press agent, uh, he said, and by the way, She's even better now, if you can believe that. So, <laughs> so that's quite something. So no I'm going to have quite there. an afternoon today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have quite an afternoon, apparently. And uh, but I had quite an evening uh, some weeks ago. So, yeah, I, 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 it's too bad uh, because everybody else is wonderful in this category. Uh, and um, as Audrey McDonald said to me many years ago, I don't think anybody thinks I need another Tony. And that was only after she had won three. But <laughs> no, she's won plenty. But um, yeah, uh, Jody Comer is the one who's going to stand up and uh, go to the stage if she can find the theater. All right. <laughs> Next, uh, best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical: uh, Christian Borle and His Arms in Some Like It Hot, <laughs> uh, J. Harrison, Harrison Gee in Some Like It Hot, Josh Groban in Sweeney Todd, Brian Darcy James in Into the Woods, Ben Platt Parade. Colton Ryan in New York, New York. So, uh, Peter, what about this category? Ah, um, I think it's going to be Ben Platt. Um, I didn't admire him as much as many people did, but I think um, it's, it's going to be he. Um, it could very well be a, a, a situation where the Tonys are going to want to award non-binary uh, people this year. And if so, then Mr. Uh, <laughs> Gabe will um, get it. And um, and that'd be all right with me, too. My only problem with him, I thought he was much too tall in the role, that he would never pass as a woman. But um, but certainly the performance was fine. So I think it's going to be one of those two. All right. Michael? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I thought he was completely incredible as a woman for that reason. But uh, on that note, uh, J- James, when you said Christian Borle in his arms, what were yeah. you referring to? <laughs> it's sort of an, uh, a Broadway radio joke in the other shows. We talk about how Christian Borle's uh, uh, arms are quite quite well defined, and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of jokes around the uh, a little shop of horrors when he was in there about uh, his arms really starred in Little Shop of Horrors, you know. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I noticed <laughs> that about him quite some time ago. I think yeah, he's yeah, yeah, gone exactly. on a uh, on a fitness kick, and he's he's quite. Well, um, you know, we 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 talked to Christian on Broadway Radio. Uh, the, I think the three of us talked to him. Uh, right before or right after Peter Pan or uh, on NBC. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, on NBC a number of years ago and, and, uh, and we were picking on his arms back then and he was good natured about it then. <laughs> and, uh, 
I hope he's proud of them. Uh, so, yes. so <laughs> for what it's worth, neither of those guys are credible as as women. Uh, many people would say that doesn't matter in the least. Uh, so, but I guess it it matters maybe a little to to me and Peter. Um, uh, I think Ben Platt will get it and should get it. Although I'm fascinated by how people seem to have everyone seems to have a very personal opinion about ben platt <laughs> um you know uh based on his career and his choices and maybe it's partly because he's um uh he's considered by some to be a, a nepo baby uh and the ever the controversy that happened with the movie of mm-hmm. of uh, dear evan hansen mm-hmm. and um and that this is in a way something of a comeback for him after that. Um, yeah, he was true. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so uh, so I don't know how any of that is going to factor into votes for him or against him. But I would say that uh, that he deserves it because that role is very challenging and i think he does overall a wonderful wonderful job with it uh for what it's worth uh, just mentioning i i i really did like josh groban uh as sweeney todd yeah i i think um that he it wasn't the best acted performance of the role that i've ever right. seen right. but i thought he fulfilled all of the requirements and the singing was so beautiful uh, and so oh, yeah. on oh, yeah. point yeah. that, um, you know, I, I just was willing to forgive any any uh, anything that was lacking in terms of acting. I may be very cynical here, but I do believe that some Tony voters really feel that uh, it's important to get people on the, the stage who uh, I'm talking about winning the award. I don't right. mean on the stage uh, eight times a week that. Um, that they think it's better for the show if indeed uh, the person who gets up there is somebody that the audience uh, knows. I, I truly believe that. That may not be true, but um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Groban gets both from the van- from the vantage point that he is the most famous person uh, who uh, is in that category. That could be. I I, I totally agree with Peter uh, in, in that in that respect that. You know, Josh Groban, uh, <laughs> you know, does he have the same uh, uh, the same attitude as Daniel Radcliffe that we consistently overlook the Daniel Radcliffe when it comes to awards times? And uh, how many times will Josh Groban come back for more if he doesn't get awarded? Uh, mm-hmm. And and certainly, uh, you know, a number of the Sweeney tickets are selling just on Josh Groban's name. Indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, not mm-hmm. not so much for an, any other reason. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see how this plays out next Sunday. Yeah. So in Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role in a Musical, we have his Josh Groban's uh, counterpart, Annalie Ashford, mm-hmm. uh, Sweeney Todd, uh, Sarah Burles, Into the Woods, Victoria Clark, Kimberly Akimbo, Lorna Courtney, and Juliet, Michaela Diamond in Parade. I think this is going to be a very tough category. Very, very tough. <laughs> so, Michael, start us off with your – your, and again, this is the decision that Michael thinks is best in the category, not who's going to win. Right. I, I wouldn't even begin to guess who's going to yeah. win in this category. Um I would be happy with all of them. Uh, I think maybe Lorna Courtney is out only because I don't think that role is quite as rich as the others. Um, but really, uh, I was amazed uh, by Sarah, how good Sarah Bareilles was 
in Into the Woods. Again, someone who's not not really an actress. I mean, well, she is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a very, very excellent actress, but she didn't make her career as an actress. Mm-hmm. And I never did see her in um, uh, Waitress. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it just went out of my head, which she wrote, um, uh, co-wrote. Uh, so, uh, so this was a revelation to me. I guess the only acting, if it counts, that I'd seen her do before was that TV version of Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, yeah. which is like two songs, uh, you know, sure. and the same emotion throughout, pretty much. Uh, but really, as the baker's wife, she was just superb. So um, I would not be unhappy if she wins it but victoria clark uh was amazing in it in a very mm-hmm. very very mm-hmm. very rich and challenging role in kimberly akimbo annalee ashford um some people feel she is too broadly comic as mrs lovett and sweeney todd i i can see why they would say that but i have to disagree and given the audience response it's hard to uh hard to really uh criticize her for that and um michaela diamond uh, um uh, again the the role of lucille frank in parade um is is uh very 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 rich and rewarding and i think she minds just about everything in it peter how about you yeah um victoria clark was certainly the front runner for a long long time of course, the show opened uh, so much earlier than the other ones, and um, it, it really seemed that so many people said, no matter what happens, uh, she is indeed going to be the winner. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's a marathon um, and not uh, just a sprint when it comes to Broadway shows. So uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Annalie Ashford's going to get it. Uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, feeling for her. Mm. So, and Victoria Clark has won before, and sometimes that works against people. You know, she's got her award. Good luck to her. Right. Uh, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Annalie Ashford, uh, but I won't be surprised if I'm wrong. Is I am in any category? I I'm 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 thinking that Michaela Diamond's gonna pull it out. She seems to be an insider favorite. Insider favorite. And the Sarah Bareilles thing, it seems so long ago. Yeah. Like, That's this season? Yeah, it, I think that it, works against you know, her. It yeah. totally works against her. Mm-hmm. So best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play, Jordan E. Cooper, Ain't No Mo, Samuel L. Jackson, August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, Ariane Moyad, A Doll's House, Brandon Uranowitz for Leopoldstadt, and David Zayas for Cost of Living. So, Peter. Oh, I think it really should go to Brandon Uranowitz, um, who is has proved himself a marvelous actor over the years. And, and to think that um, he was so good in American in Paris, which is a musical. And uh, as I always pointed out, I went very, very late in the run of um, American in Paris. And uh, he had to start the show. And he started with such energy uh, in a show that could have been tired at that point that I think he really made the audience, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, his co-stars really work very hard because they had to reach his level. Okay, so that's that show. But who knew that he could be so wonderful in, in, in a dramatic role? But he is terrific in this play. And because he hasn't won yet, I think this is his year. Michael, how about you? I really liked Ariane Moyed, but I'm not sure that that's the kind of a role uh, that would win an award. Um, Samuel Jackson was great in the piano lesson, but uh, also uh, I think that was more of an ensemble piece than some of the some of the others. Um, I 
think that I would go with Brandon Uranowitz as well. All right. Uh, best performance by an actress in a featured role in a play. Nikki Crawford, Fat Ham. Crystal Lucas Perry, Ain't No Mo. Miriam Silverman, The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window. Katie Sullivan in Cost of Living and Carrie Young in Cost of Living. So, Michael, how about this? Um, there seems to be a lot of feeling for Miriam Silverman, and yeah. that would be fine with me mm-hmm. because she was just terrific. Uh, I, I, A lot of people feel like she... Um, really i don't want to say walked away with the play because that wouldn't be right but she really made an amazing impression um in, in a in a featured role uh without a whole lot of stage time because this is another ensemble effort with quite a large cast but um she certainly seems to have really made a very very favorable impression on a lot of people so that's what i'm going to go with how about you peter um uh- the same, and I'm going to put it this way, that um, just as the play, which does have its problems, seemed to be flagging, in came Miriam Silverman and gave it quite the boost. So uh, for that reason, too, I think she's going to get it. And uh, that's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Young is always wonderful, and um, I won't be surprised if she pulls it out. But there has been a lot of feeling about Miss um, Zil- Silverman and, of course, as James so wisely predicted, this would be the last show opening in the season. So this is the last one that um, nominators probably saw. I mean, some do revisit and all that, but uh, mm. but I, th- I think it's going to be Miss um, Silverman. Okay. Uh, best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical, Kevin Cahoon in Shucked. Justin Cooley, Kimberly Akimbo. Uh, how do you say Kevin's last name? Del, Del Aguila. Delagila. Kevin Delagila in Some Like It Hot. Jordan Danica in Lerner and Lowe's Camelot. And Alex <laughs> Newell in Shucked. So, Peter, how about this? I think it's going to be Alex Newell. And uh, and that's fine with me. Uh, it's amazing to me how many people um, have said, uh, gee, that, that woman was really great in that part. And um, certainly uh, Alex Newell was not a biological woman uh, when he came into this world. So uh, uh, really a very impressive performance, uh, even aside from that, and certainly has the showstopper that gets that wonderful type of applause that rises, falls, and then gets um, even higher than it was the first time. So, um, and and, you know, I, I'm fine with Justin Cooley getting it, who I think is so charming um, in, in the role. Uh, the idea that um, he's this kid who likes everybody and fully expects that everybody's going to like him because that's his personality. Um, that's a very skillful thing to do, and he really did a fine job with it. Um, Lord knows that when Some Like It Hot uh, was previewing, people said, ah, uh, Kevin, Kevin's a shoe-in. So, so who knows? That might happen too. Um, he does have a, an exuberance about him that's uh, intoxicating. So uh, those are, those are the ones that I think have the best chance. Okay, Michael, how about you? Well, the only one I would discount is Jordan Donica. I'm very surprised by that nomination. I don't think there was anything very special about that performance, uh, mm-hmm. uh, other than his voice itself. Which uh, you know, I mean, we we've known since. Um, my fair lady, at least that he has a beautiful voice, but I don't know. I just thought it was very lacking, but a lot of that was the ridiculous rewrites of the dialogue uh, <laughs> by that person who I'm not going to name. My, my. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Alex Newell, I would be very happy if they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, 
the, again, the audience response uh, to, well, in particular to their big uh, number, uh, independently owned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised there's still a roof left on the Needlelander Theater. Really, <laughs> it's, it was just, and that was on. Uh, I saw the show twice. That happened both times that I saw it. Um, Kevin Cahoon uh, gets a lot of the laughs in Shucked mm-hmm. and perfectly timed. So um, although I don't think he'll get it, I would not be unhappy if he got it. Um, Kevin Delagila, I've known uh, I first met as a writer, one of the co-writers of Alter Boys. Alter Boys, yeah. And he has gone on to be a really, um, really excellent actor. I thought he was one of the highlights of Some Like It Hot. So I don't mm-hmm. think he'll get it, but I wouldn't be unhappy if he got it either. But I would really, really love it if Justin Cooley got the award. Uh, I think he's now only 19. My God. I think he just recently turned 19. Wow. And he is so charming and sweet in that beautifully written role of Kimberly's um, young boyfriend. Uh, the chemistry between him and Victoria Clark is, is, is just off the charts and very palpable. And I, um, I think it would be neat if he got it because he is so young. On the other hand, I suppose maybe the voters might say, well, he's, you know, he's hopefully got a brilliant career okay, ahead so of him. And we'll give him the next time. Yeah. Although um, if you re- if you read about him, it, it sounds like maybe he's not even 100 percent sure that he was going to be continue to be a, a professional actor. Really? Um, so, well, I, I he, uh, that was my interpretation of some things he said in the interview I read. Um, so. We'll see, but I, I would love it. I would just love it if he, if he got this award, and I think he would if if the competition wasn't so mm-hmm. so stiff. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, so um, best performance by an actress in a featured role in a musical. We have uh, Julia Lester, Into the Woods, Ruthie Ann Miles, Sweeney Todd, Bonnie Milligan, Kimberly Akimbo. Natasha Yvette Williams, Some Like It Hot, and Betsy Wolf and Juliet. So, Peter, what do you think? Bonnie Milligan, hands down. Uh, and uh, my guess is that she will get the most votes. And in second place will be Betsy Wolf, who was magnificent. Uh, but um, <laughs> Bonnie Milligan just grabs that role like crazy. She comes out, and to say force of nature is really an understatement. Um, she is a tsunami. And um, playing this amoral character, I mean, it just doesn't even occur to her to play by the rules. And she really knows how to do that. So uh, I think it's really no contest. And Betsy Wolf will have her day. I'm going to make a prediction and say, whatever Bessie Wolf does next, I think that will be her Tony Award. Michael, how about you? Um, I wouldn't say it's no contest, and I would say that it could be either one of those two you just named. Uh-huh. Uh, because Betsy was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here. Um, I... Uh, I um I'm surprised Ruth the end Miles got nominated just because that role is so Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe uh, as we've discussed maybe partly residual um uh sympathy for that horrible thing that happened to her a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um mm-hmm. uh that horrible personal tragedy. Uh Julia Lester uh, I don't really 
I, I, I don't, I would, I would be surprised if she gets it. Oh, yeah. And um, same with Natasha Yvette Williams, because largely because of the, the, um, the, the, well, the writing of those shows. Uh, well, not the writing, <laughs> not the writing of Into the Woods, <laughs> but the, the, um, <laughs> I don't know, the roles. I don't think that those, those roles um, mm-hmm. lend themselves to awards. I agree. See. Okay, uh, we're going to skip over the technical category and go yeah. right to best direction of a play. Uh, Sahim Ali for Fatem, uh, Joe Bonney for Cost of Living, Jamie Lloyd for A Doll's House, Patrick Marber for Leopoldstadt, Steve Walker Webb for Ain't, Mono, Ain't No Mo, and Mac Webster, uh, Max Webster, Life of Pi. So, Peter, what are you thinking about in this category? Well, um, Patrick Marber, because uh, this was an awfully big camp, uh, canvas, this Leopoldstadt, and uh, it certainly had a lot of people uh, that uh, he had to play chess with uh, on that stage. So uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a very demanding play. It's a very long play, which uh, certainly means you have to put in a lot more time to do it. So um, I believe he's going to win. Uh, Michael, how about you? Yeah, I think Peter's probably right about that. I I might give it to Sahim Ali uh because I was I still remain amazed uh by how much I enjoyed Fat Ham uh, uh even though it was not exactly it was nothing anywhere near actually uh what I expected it to be. I didn't expect it to be so hilariously funny uh because I had heard all I really knew about it going in was that it was some kind of a take off on or gloss on hamlet um mm-hmm. uh so uh and i think as i've said i don't think that i think it seems like it's a gloss on hamlet for maybe the first half of it but then it goes in a completely different direction uh but that was fine with me because i just i just thought it was hilarious and i think that the director was probably um largely responsible for how enjoyable and hilarious it was uh but you know how can you compare directing fat ham to directing Leopoldstadt. Uh, it's, it's really apples and oranges. Um, so I think Peter may be correct in his guess as to who will get it. Uh, Hamlet, not, not, not really known for the comedy bits. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I could, I could see your point. Absolutely. <laughs> so in Best Direction of a Musical, we have Michael Arden for Parade, Lear de Bessonet for Into the Woods, Casey Nicola for Some Like It Hot, uh, Jack O'Brien for Shucked, and Jessica Stone for Kimberly Akimbo. Peter, what say you? Michael Arden, I think. Um, he reconceived what Parade was, and um, certainly uh, for me, I always like when musicals are played close to the lip of the stage, and he certainly did that. So uh, I, I don't think many people think he's the front runner, and I'll understand that. I also admired tremendously Jack O'Brien, for um, who I assume uh, said to his cast, Wait for the jokes to land. (laughs) (laughs) Take your time. Some of these jokes need a moment before the audience can say, wait a minute, what is that? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they laugh. And those actors were patient and would wait until the audience got it and then they moved on. So, um, and I think that's a very clever way of dealing with this material because Robert Horn's wit is sometimes makes you uh, <laughs> wait to get it. So, um, but I think it's good to order Michael Arden. Okay, Michael, how about you? 
by the way, one of my favorite jokes uh, in that category uh, in Shucked is somebody said one of the uh, the narrators says something like, well, she fed she fell for him head over heels, which is really just standing. Yeah, really. How come that's never occurred to me in all these years? I mean, you know, yeah. And you'd like, it's like he has to wait for us like two seconds and then the audience goes, oh, it's just, it's brilliant. That happened several times, several times. The best comedy is the true comedy and that's truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think um, that uh, Michael Arden will get it for the reasons that Peter said. And and I completely agree with that. Uh, I would like to mention though, Jessica Stone, who again, started off as an actress, a wonderful actress. And uh, then, later got into directing and I think did an absolutely beautiful job with Kimberly Akimbo. And Michael Arden started off as an actor as well. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. I actually saw, right. saw him do a reading of uh, 110 in the Shade when Lonnie Price was doing that Audrey McDonald revival. In the reading, um, Michael Arden was playing the um, dim-witted brother uh, and did a fine job. So um, anyway, but yes, um, I, I think his acting days are way behind him because it's, uh, as many uh, actors will tell you doing it uh, for four weeks of rehearsal uh, hits the spot as opposed to doing it eight times a week. And while we're at it, I think Casey Nicola started out as a absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and maybe even Jack O'Brien. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I'm not saying no. I just don't know. But um, one of my favorite things was when there was a reunion concert of uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Um, only a few years ago, and uh, Casey Nicola, who was a chorus member, an ensemble member in that original right. cast, came back to do it as an ensemble member and had a wonderful time rem- reminding himself where he started, um, because it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And not that Casey, Laura's rem- Casey Nicola is remotely finished, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. look at the uh, how he's uh, <laughs> succeeded. Um, he must be the, one of the richest men in theater, seriously, mm-hmm. uh, as he said, one hit after another. And one of them was uh, Aladdin. Mm-hmm, yeah, which ain't going away soon. So uh, before podcasting, I, I, I started out in choreography. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> terrible, terrible dancer. It's so Still time, it, James. <laughs> I know, I know. Just it's, give I, me five minutes sorry. of your time, Mr. Your time, Mar- Mr. Marino, <laughs> and I'll have you dancing <laughs> in the street. I, I asked the doctors, will I be able to dance? Which is so bizarre because later I'm going to learn to dance and drink and smoke a cigarette. Well, where is that? No wonder it was changed to hoochie cooch. Right. Um, (laughs) Anyway. All right. The category of best choreography, we have uh, Stephen Hoggett for Sweeney Tond, Casey Nicola. We just talked about Casey in the direction in Some Like It Hot. Uh, Susan Stroman, New York, New York. Uh, Jennifer Weber and Juliet. And Jennifer Weber, K-pop. Jennifer splitting the category here. So, uh, Michael, what do you think about the choreography category? Well, I have one really strong opinion in this category. When I saw Sweeney Todd, um, I remember going on record as saying that I wasn't sure how I felt about the choreography. But I think I was just really, really struggling to maintain an open mind um, because the choreography uh, that Stephen Hoggett has given the ensemble specifically in Sweeney Todd in those amazing numbers, the Ballad of Sweeney Todd, et cetera, uh, God, that's good, et cetera, et cetera, um, is much more extensive 
and in a completely different style than anything we've ever seen before. So I did want to maintain an open mind, but I think I have finally decided that I really, really disliked it intensely because I really do think it distracted uh, from the lyrics, which is the worst possible thing uh, that choreography can do or one of the worst possible things it can do. Um, And I, for what it's worth, um, many, many people seem to share that feeling that I have come to have about his choreography for that. And we are all are almost amazed that it was nominated. So um, I hope that doesn't win because uh, I don't I don't think it would be deserved at all. Um, any of the others would be uh, very, very worthy winners, although uh, there again, um, how do you compare choreography for K-pop? Uh, you know, to any to well, really any of the others, but especially New York, New York, and some like it hot, which have much more traditional choreography. Um, I hmm, what's going to get it? I think is probably going to be some like it hot. Casey, okay. Nicola, yeah. Uh, Peter, how about you? I agree, though I think it has much more to do with uh, quantity than quality. Mm. Uh, it's, it's the show that has the most choreography, and mm. um, so I think that's what's going to put it. Across. Well, New York, New York has a tremendous amount it of choreography. Does. You think K-pop didn't know K-pop had and a lot of choreography. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but it a did. different type. Yeah. Yes, it did, and um, but K-pop was a much shorter show, and so um, as I say, I think this is going to happen because of quantity. Uh, more than anything else. And um, I, I didn't particularly enjoy any of the choreography this year that I, <laughs> I thought was really, uh, whoa, you know, boy, that's a production number I'll never forget. Uh, not one of them had that. And that didn't even includes the um, the famous uh, skyscraper um, dance mm. Susan Stroman did, so which I had heard wonderful things about, though everybody did say it, um, that I heard said, you know, the number doesn't mean anything uh, in terms of what the show is. But but um, no, uh, sure, uh, K-pop had plenty and, um, and so did New York, New York, but um, I still think that on points, it's going to be us, Casey. Okay. So, uh, best orchestration, we have Bill Sherman and uh, Dominic Falacaro. Falacaro. <laughs> and Juliet. Um, John Clancy for Kimberly Akimbo. Jason Howland for Shucked. Charlie Rosen and Brian Carter for Some Like It Hot, and Daryl Waters and Sam Davis for New York, New York. So, Michael, how about this category? Um, This one is kind of easy for me because the orchestrations of New York, New York were one of the few things I really loved about that show. Uh, So I would go with that, Daryl Waters and Sam Davis. All right. Peter, how about you? I agree entirely because um, the big band sound was really in place. So Mm -hmm. I think that um, that's what's going to happen. Yep, I agree. Oh, okay. well, that was easy. <laughs> so let's uh, start moving into the four big ones, the ones that everybody has hung out for here. <laughs> In best, Re- best Revival of a Play, we have August Wilson's A Piano Lesson, A Doll's House, The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window, and Susan Laurie Park's Top Dog Underdog. So, Peter, what do you think about this category? I think it's going to be top dog underdog. And, you know, Susan Murray Parks was honored the other day at New Dramatists and um, gave a tremendously important speech about how important it is to be kind. 
and uh, she was so wonderfully moving at this at this luncheon which was really quite a celebration of her and understandably so there may have been a little uh hyperbole when um one of the speakers said uh there's shakespeare there's beckett and there's susan laurie parks i'm not quite ready to go there yet but um this is a very skillful play in many regards and i i do believe that um she is going to win Okay, Michael, how about you? Well, again, alas, I missed that production, so I, I can't comment on that. Uh, I think um, there's a good chance it will go to Sidney Brustein just because of the um, all of the backstory of that play, which mm-hmm. is so so amazing and so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a Doll's House, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's going to get a Best <laughs> Revival Award. Uh, Piano Lesson, I would be very happy if that won because it was – an exemplary revival of that great August Wilson play. Okay. In Best Revival of a Musical, we have Into the Woods, Lerner and Lowe's Camelot, Parade, and Sweeney Todd. So, uh, Peter, what about this category? This is a tough one because um, the two Sondheim shows are, are very well represented, but um, I think it's going to go to Parade because uh, it, it's one thing to do a revival of a hit show um and it's another to do a revival of a show that wasn't over as much well regarded when it first came around and then now people take a fresh look at it so that's why i think parade is going to win okay michael how about you i think that uh there was great uh joy over uh into the woods when it first opened uh and then that lasted for a while and then it seemed like uh, the box office dropped out, if I recall yeah, what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but at any rate, I think that mostly the the uh, the great reception of of that was due to the piece itself and people's love of it. I don't think it was that it was that great a production. I think it was a good production, and uh, and maybe maybe great in terms of some of the performances, but certainly not as far as the actual production of it which was very, very, very minimalist. Um, so I, I would discount that. Uh, I, I don't think it needs to even be mentioned that I would discount Camelot. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the other two, uh, I loved Sweeney Todd overall because it's one of my top three favorite musicals of all time. Uh, I, I think there were some flaws in the production and the direction. Uh, so I would go with Parade because I, I just think that really that Michael Arden almost transformed it um, from what it was originally. Uh, and, and I, and I still can't quite put my finger on exactly why I think it works so much better. And this production than the original, which certainly, uh, you know, would have seemed to have been a slam dunk with Hal Prince, Prince directing, directing yeah. and Carolee Carmelo and Brent Carver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's just, just something about it that did not land, whereas this one um, has really made quite an impression on mm-hmm. seemingly almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the best play category, we have Ain't No Mo, Between Riverside and Crazy, Cost of Living, Fat Ham, so, Peter, 
Oh, and Leopoldstadt. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah don't so leave out that one because <laughs> yeah, that would be tough because that seems to be the front favorite. runner. Yeah. yeah. So, Peter, what do you think about this category? Oh, Leopoldstadt, no question. Um, Tom Stoppard rarely loses, uh, so uh, this is another victory for him. All right, Michael. How about you? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I uh, I really like both between Riverside and Crazy and Cost of Living, uh, but I had seen both of them before, so they don't seem like new plays to me. But that's immaterial. Uh, but you know, but that's still my feeling. You know, the other thing too, uh, given that um, Stoppard has said this is his last play, this will be a type of lifetime achievement award as well. Right. Okay. And finally, for this morning, Best Musical, starting off with Anne Juliet, Kimberly Akimbo, New York, New York, Shucked, and Some Like It Hot. So, Peter, what's your take on this? What I'm going to say more than anything else is that um, I think this is going to be one of those years that uh, the show that gets the most nomination is going to go home with the fewest awards. I don't think that um, Some Like It Hot is going to win, even though in terms of the road, it may be the strongest show. It may. Um, again, I feel Shucked is really uh, terrific and um, has the best chance on the road of the um, of the other nominees. Um, so, uh, but um, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Shucked, even though um, I know that's a long shot. Okay. Michael, how about you? Well, I would hope it would be Kimberly Akimbo, but um, I would not be unhappy if it was shucked Um, or if it was and Juliet. Uh, The other two, I really did not like those two. And so I I hope it's not either of them because I don't think they're deserving. Okay. So that wraps it up. All we have to do now is watch the actual (laughs) awards and see how it goes. I'm looking forward to uh, lots of different numbers that are going to be performed. I I, I think that I, I, I've, I've said this a number of times, forgive me if I'm being repetitious, but that I think that Anne Juliet, you know, if they pull the right number out, they could be doing crazy ticket sales after Mm. the Tony awards. If Anne Juliet, uh, does it uh, d- does it does a great number and a great spot uh, on the on the telecast, and uh, also shocked. I mean, if shocked pulls this out, Peter, I think that uh, I think they owe you a, a kernel of corn. <laughs> so, Thanks. The Golden Corn Award. Or That's something right. Like that. <laughs> so, all right. Any other final words to talk about the Tony Awards before we wrap it up for this morning? Anything I'm fine. Else that you guys? No, I think that's it. All right, so we will wrap it up for this morning. And before we get on to trivia and the musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us in Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us in many other ways. Uh, Patreon, if you go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Broadway Radio, you can uh, not only subscribe there and get our shows early, but you can support Broadway Radio and all the shows that we offer, including Jan Simpson's new All the Drama that just came out. 
talking about Buried Child. The uh, Patreon listeners got to listen to it yesterday, and the general public will get it next week. That series is just it's just so wonderful. You can also listen to us on uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to finer podcasts, you'll find Broadway, Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found in the show notes as well as uh, links to some of the things we've talked about and the text for the trivia section, which is coming up now. Peter, do you have an answer for last week's trivia? Yes, indeed. There's a play with a two-word title. Each word of the title is the same, such as Promises, Promises. The play opened literally 29 years and one day before a very famous musical that used only one of those two identical words as its title. Well, the answer is Oliver Oliver opened on January 5th, 1934, 29 years and one day before Oliver opened on January 6th, 1963. The play was written by Paul Osborne, and I had also given the hint that um, he wrote the screenplay for a very famous musical, and that was mm. Rodgers and Hammerstein's South Pacific, mm. uh, which at that time in the 50s was second only in performances to Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma. Tony Janicki opened, uh, answered at 11.48, as did Paul Whitty. Both were 11.48, but Tony's arrived first by what must have been seconds. Following were Juliet Green, Arthur Robinson, Jack Leshner, Deb Popple, Brigadude, and Ingrid Gammerman. Now, as James said, these questions are now in the show notes. That was a suggestion made by Kathy Joan and virtually everybody who answered the question last week said, thank God you're putting them in the show notes. What a great idea. So thank you, Kathy Jones. Let's see if you can get this one, Kathy. This is a toughie. In the closing section of one of Stephen Sondheim's opening numbers, you'll hear a plural noun that if you turned it into a singular noun would sound the same as the last name of a person with whom Sondheim would eventually work for the bulk of his career. It isn't spelled the same, but it sounds the same. What's the plural noun? Yes, plural. So don't give me into the woods lyric and dance before the prince, as in Hal Prince. That, that's a singular noun. Now, who's <laughs> the person whose name almost sounds like this plural noun? Okay, if you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? So, our music this week is... Uh, two selections from the original cast recording of Once Upon a Mattress starring Carol Burnett. Uh, uh, the opener is the beginning of the overture and the closer is the finale. Uh, I, I really have always loved that score by Mary Rogers and Marshall Bearer. And I'm delighted that uh, it will be seen again in a major production in New York City. Right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.